The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Romans 12, verse 4 through 5, and then 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 21. But first Romans 12, 4 through 5. Let's, let's do this. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. All right, now skip forward to 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen through 21. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Thank you, Christy. Yeah. Some of you showed up for church today thinking, what, we're having an anatomy lesson here about, uh, stay tuned for all that. Hey, the the, uh, brochure, the catalog that uh, they just talked to you about. It's in your program. Take it out right now, all of you. Turn to the back page. This page right here has a QR code. You can use your smartphone for something smart today and scan that QR code and get signed up for a group. If you're not in a group right now, you need to get in one because they're closing fast. Uh, And here's the thing I hear about groups uh, all the time. Over the years, we've been at a church now for 18 years. 80% 80% of our adults who come to our part of Crosspoint are in one of our small groups. We're already almost there with that number, and we've just had really one week of signups. This is the second week. For those of you who are newer to our church, we sometimes forget when we've done this for 18 years, well, yeah, you just join a small group, you go to somebody's house and do that. When you're brand new to something, I go, it could be kind of weird for you to walk in here and sit in rows here with people and check out church, and now we're going to say go to somebody's house and go, I, what, what is all that about? And we've talked about this idea of maybe we do some different kinds of groups where people could, could maybe just stick their feet in the water a little bit and just kind of get comfortable like here. And we've tried that a few times. Here's what I've discovered. It never works. Because here's the undeniable truth of life, number 475. In order to swim, you have to get wet. You got to jump in the pool. Now, if you wanted to stay on the side there, like, oh, that'll be fun. But in order, so again, Anything that you've ever done in your life that has been significant or important for you has always involved some level of risk or being a little uncomfortable. Always. doesn't matter anything important like that. So sometimes you just got to take the chance and do it. We've just discovered over the years how beautiful and amazing it is when you jump into these groups and do that. So for those of you who are newer here, jump in. Not jump into the deep end. It's not rushing water out there. We're not going to drown you. Jump in and get up to your knees in the water. Just get to the shallow end with us, but jump into one of those groups. And then I've also heard this from people who, here who have been here and been in groups for several years and going, you know, I'm just going to take a break right now because it's just yeah, not my thing right now. I'm kind of yeah, about groups or this or that or whatever. I want to encourage you, if you're newer here today, tune me out right now. 
Let me yell at you and tell you, hey, if you've been a part of our church for a while, you're going to go, eh, on groups. Here's what you're going to discover. You will take a break right now because you've enjoyed the benefit of, of community and relationships. It's been so life-giving into your heart and soul and your marriage and your work and all that kind of stuff. And now the, one of the very things that God used to get you to where you are right now, you're going to go, eh, not right now. You know what's going to happen? In two or three or four months, you're going to go, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? I'm out here isolated. My husband is being a total tool bag right now, or my boss is, the, whatever, be in a group. Find a group. Get in a group. All right? So, the anatomy lesson that we got in the scripture reading today about being parts of a body, Paul is not giving us anatomy lessons. What Paul is doing when he writes the letters of Romans and Corinthians is he's using an analogy to say, here's how a church really works best is when we are on the back of your program today, there is a note sheet. You can jot some things down here. The first thing to write down there is we are one body with many different parts. One body, many different parts. Uh, Paul says it, just as our bodies have many parts, one body, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, many parts, we all belong to each other. And what that means is when he says we belong to each other, you just get the analogy, right, of we're parts of a body, um, we're deeply connected. The second thing to write down there today, we are deeply connected. We are not, watch this, Lego connected. Because Lego connected is like, boom, boom, whatever. And if we're not careful, even in churches, you can come to a church and sit in rows like this and go, okay, I can connect with people like this and go, boom. And you do that with the body, you know what happens? You go to the hospital. Bad things happen when you go like this. You know, we're deeply connected to each other. And it's easy sometimes to just kind of look at church as a consumer, as a place I sit in a row and listen to some stuff, pop in for a bit, have some acquaintances. What God wants you to know is you're, part, you're not connected to us like Legos are. You're connected like body, like the body is connected to each other. And I get it. If you've ever been in relationships, you know that at times relationships can be beautiful and amazing. And at times they're just, they just are. And Paul makes this analogy. We didn't read the verses today, but he says, look, when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Like, Have you ever smashed your pinky fingernail doing something, smashed it, and somehow your earlobes hurt? My whole body hurt. This is how it works. And so sometimes, like, relationships are just tricky, and and that person does it. I feel that stuff, and it's, ah, it's frustrating. I'd rather do this because I can be a consumer and just pop on, pop off. You're not going to experience the joy and the vibrancy. I get why it's so easy to want to go do American spirituality, just pop on and pop off. We're, We're not Legos. We're parts of a body deeply connected to each other. And at times, people will say, well, you know, I don't really need church. I, you, can, you know, this is the, the common narrative right now in our culture, is you can be a Christian without going to church. That's like saying you can be part of a body and not belong to a body. I can be a foot. So I, I, I walked in today because I parked far away because I tell all you guys, park far away and sit close. By the way, you, you can see we are growing here right now again. If you're parking over here, across the wall, you know, with the, the big wood wall, there's, the, there's parking there. That's for new people. 
and people who have physical challenges, maybe have young kids and all that, you need, if you can, park far away and then sit close up to the front here to leave space for people that are new, that don't have to navigate our nightmare of a parking situation that we have here. Uh, so do that. But I was parking far away, and as I walked up here, I got on the campus. I found a foot. No, all right, like, obviously, if you go, if that was a real foot, you go, that's gross, I'm going to throw up right now. You go, uh-oh, right? So we take the foot, and we interview the foot on a Christian podcast or on somebody who says, I, I can be a Christian without going to church, and talk to the foot and say, foot says, I, you don't, I don't need to be part of a body. I can be a good foot over here all by myself. I don't need to be connected. That's absurd, right? It's not good for the foot to not be connected to the body that it's part of. It's, it's not going to be good for the foot. And you can for a while, when the foot first decides, I'm going to be cut off over here, you can do some things to make, okay, what if we got like a marker and we could draw eyes and a nose and a smile on it. We could cover up this part up here. And then now after a while, you know what's going to happen to this foot? It's going to get smelly and crusty and nasty. You know what happens to you when you say, I don't need a church, or I'm just going to Lego the church, I'm just going to pop in and pop out? You're going to become smelly and crusty and nasty. I know some of you. You need to get in a group now, please. (laughs) You'll save us hours of counseling with you. We're deeply connected to each other. It's not good for the foot, not good for you to not be connected to the body that you're a part of. It's deep connection. It's also, though, not just not good for the foot, it's also not good for the body. Like, I'm walking in here today, I lost my foot, and I'm like bleeding stump here. That way, like, what happened to your foot? When you lose a foot, the body's going to feel that. And all of a sudden, what has to happen in the body? Other parts of the body have to do the things the foot's supposed to do. The foot's not there, and you can talk about all kinds of other analogies of like, because some of you in the, in the body of Christ, you're, you're not a foot or an eye, you're a fingernail. Or... <laughs> This might be a little crass, but that's okay because I got the mic. Um, in the body of Christ, Paul says there are some parts of the body everybody can see. Eyes, all the beautiful surface parts. And there's all the inner parts and stuff. You know what some of you are in the body of Christ? You're the, you're the large intestine. You know what you help us do as a body? You help the body deal with all the crap that's in there. This is what small group leaders do. Those are people who do counseling and mercy ministry do. They help us unload stuff. Sorry, it's a little gross. I just, I work with junior high kids for 15 years. Shut up. (laughs) So we are deeply, we are uh, many parts of one body deeply connected. Deeply connected to each other. But the third thing to write down today is with great diversity. And Paul talks about that in those verses we just read. We're many parts of one body. Each part is different. We're not all the same. We, we all belong to other the, the different parts of the body. Uh, in, in Corinthians and in Romans, he says that. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, right before what Christy just read for us, Paul says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. This is the idea of unity and diversity. So it is with the body of Christ. 
Some of us are slaves and some are Gentiles. Some are, uh, some are Jews and some are Gentiles. Some are slaves, some are free. Some are vegans and some are meat eaters. Some are iPhone people, some are Android people. Some are four people, some are Chevy people. Some people, you can draw the comparisons. He's in the body, we're very different. Some of us, some of us are extroverts and some of us are introverts. Some of us are conservative, some of us are liberal. Some of us are, uh, <laughs> are Padre fans. Sorry, Padre fans, it's been a rough month for you guys. <laughs> some of us are Dodger fans and all the Padre fans. And all the Padre fans hate the Dodger fans and want us kicked out of your group. They say, please tell me that Denise is not going to join my small group because we know how she is about the Dodgers. All that and more. We could talk about all the different diversity that's out there. Um, political views, strengths and weaknesses, extroverts, introverts. Some of us more artistic. Some of us more scientific in how we uh, interpret stuff and look at, look at life. Some of us have different tastes and preferences about everything and, and anything, uh, like, like taste and preferences, like music, for example. Now, since I got the mic today, I get to tell you what the most amazing music in the world is. And those of you who have been going here a long time know what's coming here, so you can just get whatever. Uh, but, but for me, uh, I love more like rock and roll kind of music, uh, stuff that's more modern, pop, soft rock, like, uh, whatever. And then honestly, and This is going to sound like I'm condemning. I'm not condemning anybody here. I don't understand country music. I don't know why anybody would on purpose listen to any of it. Look at me. That doesn't mean the country music is bad. Speaking of music, a couple people can come here in the band. We're going to do something real quick. It doesn't mean country music is bad. It just means it's different. And in the body of Christ, we have country music people and rock and roll people. We have people that like mariachi bands. And we have people that like hip-hop and rap. We have, we have the, whole, the whole thing there. Uh, and, and with music, you know, Paul uses this idea of, of the body that's together, one body but many parts. We're going to use the analogy here to talk about music. And we have all kinds of great songs that are out there that we sing here. One of the songs that sort of almost everybody knows, it plays everywhere now. We've done it here for years, a song called Oceans. Beautiful song, right? But imagine now if we did oceans and we said everybody has to be the same, that we have to be unity means uniformity. That would be like this. Give me a note. You called me out upon the water, the great unknown where feet may fail, da, 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 da. Or it could sound like. The beauty of recognizing that at times unity and diversity can be challenging and frustrating, but it's also beautiful when we do it. Over and over again, Paul's going to tell us, the writers of Scripture are going to tell us, hey, live in unity with each other, but it's not uniformity, it's harmony. That we're, de- we're connected and we're very, very different notes, very different instruments, even not even one of the same melody line. There's even supporting notes underneath all of that that make music beautiful. Um,
In 1 Corinthians, where Christy just read for us, she reads these verses here that says this. Verse 19, 1 Corinthians 12, 19. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. That what we just did, how strange a song would be if it had only one note. How strange it would be. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. Head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. It would be absurd to have a, a body with, shoot, even your face. And I thought I wanted to illustrate that for you a little better today. So, I'll autograph this and sign this for anybody who wants it afterwards. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I have to pay you to take it. But, but, but imagine now. Here's many parts. Here's the body. And like this is a relatively average looking human being. But imagine now we did this to it. We said, you know, it's better if we're all the same. We all vote the same. We all think the same. Who needs the mouth? Or... The nose or the ears. Oops. So we'll do this instead. Some of you are like genuinely disturbed right now. You're looking at me like, please put that down right now. Yeah, we're many parts of one body in this one. We say, here's the game changer for us. The game changer is we can be unified together and be crazy different. Because think about it for a second here. How crazy different is your eye from your ears, your nose from your mouth? And then think about all the intricacy of the human body, all the stuff inside of us that, that makes our body work together. This is, this is the beauty of what happens when we, 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 won't, we don't just tolerate diversity and go, well, I guess we have to get along with these wing nuts that are in my group. We, we value the differences. because This is what makes us. And he, here's the deal. Jesus said this will be the game changer. Over in John chapter 17. Turn there. I want you to see this for yourself. On your mobile device, on the paper Bible, whatever you have here. John 17. Jesus says this is going to be the game changer for us. Jesus is about to go be betrayed uh, be tried uh, and crucified and then rise again. This is the night before all that's going to happen. He's in a, a, a room, and they are in that upper room, and they are celebrating Passover and then institute communion there, all that. He's talking to these 12 men who are like, guys, it's going to be all up to you. And, he's, and, he, and he does this thing in John 17. It's, it's the prayer that he prays for them there as knowing what they're about to go through. But look what happens. It shifts in verse 20. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You know who he's praying for there? You. 2,022 years later, I pray that they will all be, and stop there for a second. Because if I'm Jesus going, looking at these guys out here going, it's up to them. I'm going to pray for miraculous power. I'm going to pray for knowledge and insight of the scriptures. I'm going to pray that they will have the ability to just lead well in leadership and wisdom. I'm going to pray for those things. You know what Jesus prays for? That they'll all be one. He prays for unity. 
And he prays with a sense of desperation. Because I think, here's the deal. All over the Bible, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, Jesus predicts the fact that his church is going to grow. Today on planet Earth, there are 2.3 billion Christians today. Growth is not our problem. You know what our problem is? Unity. He said, look, and if, he says, by this they'll know you're my disciples, not by the fact that you raise millions of dollars to go help impoverished people somewhere on the road. Nothing wrong with that. Not by the amazing worship service you have, not the fantastic teaching you get, not by supernatural signs and wonders. He says, they're going to know this is real. The most profound miracle is, is when you get those kind of diverse personalities, Jews and Greeks, smart people and not so smart people, people that are upper class, people that are middle class, people that are lower class, people that actually like country music and people that hate it together, people that are pro, they have taken every vaccination possible known to man and people go, that's crazy, I've not taken one of them, can all be not just sit in the same church but join a group together and go, look, the thing that's going to change the world is that we can learn to embrace diversity and go, I don't have to have you agree with everything that I agree on. Convictions and preferences. So we were, I was chatting with Beth about this uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and she had these great insights on that. And like I said last week, rather than me tell you what Beth said, Beth's going to come up right now, and Beth's going to tell you about some of this stuff. Yeah, Beth, come on up. Thanks, guys. So just like Steve was talking about last week, we talked about that phrase, one another. And it was kind of easier, I think, last week because they were all the like friendly one another phrases, like let's encourage one another, you know, let's cheer one another on. But this week we're going to talk about a little bit more difficult ones. And the reason why these are important is because if we believe that diversity is important, we're going to have to work really hard at it. And so I am a leader. I have been a leader all my life. I love to lead. And the visionary leader in me writes a thing that says, you know, I want to be so diverse and so wonderful that everyone has differing opinions. And that's how we're going to reach the goal. And then I sit in a small group with different people who have different beliefs of me. And the biggest one of the differing beliefs is I am a huge Bronco fan, right? Denver Broncos. Exactly. Everybody boo all at once, right? And then you sit in a small group with a a Raider fan or a Charger fan. Is it possibly a Christian to be a Raider fan? I don't know. (laughs) And you sit in one of those small groups and then this whole idea of diversity just is a little bit trickier. It's a little bit harder. And we can joke and say, oh, about sports and football and stuff like that. But what if you get to the real differing issues where you have strong convictions and you sit in a small group with someone who thinks differently than you? then that whole idea of diversity starts to become a little bit trickier and less appealing. But Jesus knew that. Like Steve said, Jesus prayed for unity. Jesus gave us a road map on how we are going to get to the next step, how we are going to be able to accomplish diversity. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to open up, we're going to be in Romans. So Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 12. 
And so one of the first practical tools that I want to give you, and I want to give you like a toolbox of tools that you can take with you, not just to small group, but you can take with you to work, you can take with you to home, through your marriage, through your kids, through your job, through college, through school. This toolbox I want to fill up with as many things as possible. And the first one is don't be an obstacle to one another. In Romans, starting in verse 12, it says, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. And then the scriptures go on in 14 down, where it talks about if you eat meat and it offends somebody, stop eating meat. If you do something that is offensive to someone, stop doing it. In verse 15, towards the end, it says, don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, thank you, Jesus, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So the very first thing that starts out that passage is, it says, decide to not do this. Every day we wake up, we make a choice on how we're going to behave. Every time you interact with someone, you are subconsciously making a decision on how you are going to treat that person. And sometimes our decisions come quicker than we want, right? And that sinful nature bubbles out and we make the wrong choice. But sometimes if we slow down, we can make the right choice to decide how we are going to behave and do something. And it's so simple. And I just love that Paul writes this, just stop doing it. Just stop doing it. But we complicate it because we have our own POV. We have our own point of view. And our POV is bigger than your POV, right? My point of view is more important than your point of view. And so it's harder for us to then start behaving in a certain way. And so I want to talk to you and give you guys just things that have happened throughout small groups. I have been in a small group probably my whole life, but Hearing stories of small groups, they have been so wonderful and life-giving. And so there was this small group one time where everyone in the group was a very strong homeschool community where they were actually, their convictions were so strong that they were starting to maybe be a little against public education. And so the first night of small group, they're sitting there talking and they're talking about how great homeschool is and it's so wonderful and it's so great. And then at the end of the night, One of the people who were brand new to their group just went and talked to the leader afterwards and was like, I have to tell you something. Like he had this naughty little secret, right? And we're like, the leader's like, oh, what is it? He's like, I'm a public school teacher. And in that moment, the small group leader had a decision to make. That they could put their own convictions on them and derail this person from community in their group because they believe differently Or they can decide to honor God and see that it is beautiful to have different convictions from one another. And so what I love that the small group leader did was they immediately said, I'm so sorry. They humbled themselves, they apologized, and they said, man, we should not have been talking that way. 
I am so sorry for the way I treated you. Now, here's the thing. Did their convictions about public education change? Probably not. But what was able to happen was that the two can still sit in the same group together. They can still grow in relationship this way with one another and still grow in relationship with God. But you have to decide what to do. And sometimes we need to put aside things so that we can aim for harmony. I want to tell you that it's okay to disagree with someone and still like them if the goal is that we are aiming for harmony. If all of our trajectory is all for harmony, then we're going to be able to hit the same destination. The next one is accept one another. And so speaking of harmony, and Steve just talked about it, it's all different notes playing the same melody. And a way that that's possible for the notes to be able to work together is if we start to accept one another. And we're going to be in Romans for a little bit more. And so Romans, just flip the page, Romans 15, starting in verse 5, it says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as fitting as it is for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. So I have a story. You guys have a story. Everyone here has a story. And your story is uniquely your own It started with your parents' story and then the story before that and was woven to create who you are, a culmination of who you are. A great way to start to be able to accept someone is to learn their story. And the best way to learn someone's story is to stop talking long enough to be able to hear someone's (laughs) story. There's a thought, yeah. Sometimes a person who's really adamant about something has strong personal convictions that come from their story of who they are. And it it might be crazy things, and it might be completely different than what you think it is. But if we don't take the time to hear it, we may never know. And so uh, I did hair for years, and one of the times I was doing hair, I had a client come in later at night, about 6 o'clock at night, and she came in, and I greeted her. Her name was Lori. I said, hello, Lori. She's super sweet. And she started crying. And I have to tell you, this is not a crier client. This is a, like, faithful, right, girls, every six weeks, get my hair done, don't talk to me, get in and out, right? <laughs> and she started crying. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, no one has said my name all day. Not one person has talked to me all day. So you might be in a small group with someone who is talking so much, and you're like, oh, my goodness, like, this person talks so much. <laughs> but you might be the only person they talk to. Yeah. You might be the only kindness that they receive in a whole week. Another thing could happen if someone is constantly shelling out advice and saying, you know, here's something you can do with your kids, and you can try this, and you can try this, and as annoying as it might be it a little bit, that person might be the most phenomenal parent in the world, Or that person might be struggling and have a lot of regrets and say, man, let me pay the dumb tax for you. Let me tell you the mistakes that I made. And so they're not this person who's constantly, you should, you should, but they're saying, hear what I did, and I messed up, and you guys can do better. The best way to really start to be able to accept one another, to be able to move forward in that kind of diversity, really is to be able to learn someone's story. So ultimately, though, 
We accept people not to show that we're super great and kind of like, oh, look at how accepting I am, right? Like, t-shirt, I accept everybody. But we do that, we accept one another because we want to give glory to God. Small groups ultimately, as awesome as you guys are, is not about you. And I know that that's really hard for a lot of us to hear, but small groups is not about you and all of the things that make you you, which are great. Small groups is a way for us to be able to shine a giant light towards Jesus so that other people can want to know what you have and learn about Jesus. And so when we sit in small groups and we choose to be kind, when we sit in small groups and we choose and we make a decision to accept one another, really what you're doing is you're giving glory to God. This is not for pats on backs. This isn't for, oh, you're so kind. This is because we want to honor God. And ultimately, that's what it's going to be. Last week, I talked about moving, and that was a part of the way that we could serve one another. And everyone was like, oh, he was like, oh. Yeah, I would never, I would, if, I have to, if I have to join your small group and help you move, I'm not joining your small group. That was my, <laughs> that was my deal. Sorry, that was just We already yeah. moved, Steve. We already moved, and there's no room for oh, you gosh. in our group. But... One of the things, though, is I don't want you to think that that's all small group is, right? Yeah. Is that we're just moving people back and forth. There are so many practical ways that we can serve one another in small groups. And I just want to give you a few tips, and I want to give you a few things so that you can see that it really is simple things. One of the times, one of the things someone did is, Joe, my husband and I, we were fostering during COVID, and we had four kids, and we went from one to four. And if any of you guys have ever done that, you're like, what? That's insane. And someone took compassion on us in our small group, and they sent us a Grubhub gift card. They said, don't make dinner tonight. What a great way to serve one another, and you don't even have to cook. You know, another thing is someone had someone mow someone's yard before. Someone had a flat tire on the road, and they couldn't get it, and so someone just went and picked them up. These are all really practical, easy ways to serve one another. And so... Moving may not be a part of the deal, but serving one another when our burdens become too big is going to be part of the deal. So the next one is share one another's burdens. And we're going to move down the Bible into Galatians. And so in Galatians 6, starting in verse 2, it says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. I love this line. Don't get upset. I didn't write it. It's in the Bible. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Boom. Right there. Welcome to Crosspoint Church. You're not that important. (laughs) So there's going to be a couple different types of people in life. There's some that are going to sit there and they are going to share every bit of what is burdening them and overwhelming them. And it's going to feel like for the other people of, I can't share my burden. I can't share what's going on. It's not as bad as this person's. I can't share my story because I want, no one wants to help me. No one has time for me. But the beautiful thing in here is that when we share each other's burdens, it says we are obeying the law of Christ. You're literally obeying what Jesus told you to do. The whole reason why we're believers, right, is to obey Jesus. And right here is the thing of 
If you do that, you're obeying Jesus. And then the next part of it is, some of us just don't want it. Our lives are good. Some of us that are heading towards retirement or, you know, maybe like our kids are finally situated and life is easy. It's, I don't want none of that drama. I don't want that. I don't have time for that. And I just want to kindly just remind you of this verse when someone is needing help or needing conversation and you're not willing to give it. It says, if you are, think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Unity will come from helping people carry a heavy burden. And so now we're sitting here and we're like, oh, welcome to CrossFit. It's so crazy, right? This is so hard. And that unity is like, I don't want unity. Because if unity is diversity, then that's not going to work for me. But I have, like, a secret that I think you guys all know about. Is that a way that unity is possible, a way that we can have transformational relationships, a way that we can sit inside group with people who have completely differing beliefs, is this most epic of epic secrets. And so this is like the most epic game changer of your life. This is more epic than your iPhone, right? Like anything is. Yes, it is. This is more epic than GPS, which is great, right? This is more epic than Netflix. And so in Ephesians 4, Paul starts out this conversation, and it says that he begs us. I don't know about you, but have, has anyone ever begged you to do anything? Besides, like, your four-year-old wanting a donut, right? And they're, like, grabbing you, like, Mommy! What about someone who has begged you, looked you in the eye and said, I implore you to do this. This is right here what Paul is saying as he starts out in verse 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. I, a pastor who loves Jesus, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. We'll get to that. Because of your love, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to a glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. The reason why we can do this is because we all fall under one God. The reason why we know how to be a foot in a body is because the head of the body is Jesus Christ. The reason why we can function and be able to handle the differences is because we're uniting under the fact that we are one. But I don't want to get like too crazy just yet. Because there's some work that we have to do. And one of the first things that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to make allowance for each other's faults. Remember, Paul begs us. Make allowance for one another's faults. That is giving space for people who have wronged and hurt you. Or that just is, annoy you and frustrate you. Yeah. That is yeah. giving people the opportunity to not have 
a record of wrong, of every single thing that they have done wrong. Instead, what we're doing to do, what we're choosing to do is we are not going to keep record. We're not going to remember, well, you were five minutes late. You cut me off in the parking lot. You definitely only bring tofu for snack night, right? Whatever the things are, people do. It's so weird. Whatever it is. All kinds, yes. It's that we don't keep tally, but instead we make space for people to mess up. Because what's going to happen is you're going to want someone to make allowance for your faults. Mm. Because you're not going to be perfect. You aren't perfect in life. And you are going to want the opportunity for someone to say, that's okay. I see you. I forgive you. That thing you did, I'm going to make allowance for that. And it's going to be hard. I have to tell you that doing this and making allowance and not keeping a track of every single thing and a tally and an internal tally is going to be difficult. And that's why Paul says then to make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. So it takes effort. It takes a muscle of kindness that you have to build. Anyone here work out? Yes. I know you guys do. I see you. And so one of the things is that when you work out, it takes effort to work out. If you were trying to build up your biceps, you don't grab the five-pound weight. You're like, oh, look at me. I'm lifting weights. Right? You go for the heavier one, and you stand a certain way, and you do it, and it takes time and effort to build that muscle in order for that muscle to be successful. The same thing has to happen when we are trying to unite with people who are different, is it's going to take an effort. It's not going to come easy for you to just sit next to someone in church, at work, anywhere in the world, and be like, oh yeah, you're completely different than me. Let's go have coffee. It's going to take something on your part that you are going to have to do. But just like working out, when you have your Flex Friday and you're like, check it out. It's this awesome, like, woo, look at me. The same thing happens when you sit in a small group with someone and you know that when you started off it was a little rocky and now they're the ones that are coming to your house to love you. They're the ones that you're calling when something good happens. They're the one that you're doing life with or celebrating with because the effort, you were successful in the effort that you made. Make every effort. It's painful, but it is so worth it. So as the worship team comes up, one of the things that I would love to remind you of is that this game changer of make every effort is that we're united in the spirit. The effort isn't that we're going to be united under the Bronco flag, which would be great for you guys, right? (laughs) The effort isn't that we're going to be united under a political party or under something like that. The effort is is that we're going to be united under one spirit and letting all those other things start to matter less and less. Because I have to let you know, and I don't know if you guys are aware, but the world is against this, right? The world wants us to divide over things that seem so silly, yet we allow them to cause division amongst us. We allow the world to put a little 
whisper in our ear about something that we then start to say like, oh, I can't do that with that person because they think that way. The world is against us and the the game changer is going to be that if you disregard those things and let them be open-handed and be able to start to say, okay, that is not the thing I focus on. The thing that I am going to focus on is that I'm united in the spirit of Jesus Christ, that I believe that Jesus is my God, that I am going to serve God above all, that I'm going to live my life for him. And when we start to unite under that, those differences start to fail. The win here, guys, really isn't that you sit in a small group. I mean, hallelujah and amen. The win here is that you sit in a small group with people who are different than you. And you honor God because you know that we keep the main thing the main thing. And I just want to read this verse to you guys one more time. And I want you to start to think of all the differences that you know you have with someone and start to let them vanish. They're still real. They'll still be your convictions. But the thing that we're going to choose to focus on today and right now and moving forward is that we're going to unite under one body and one spirit just as you've been called to the glorious hope for the future. We are going to unite under the fact that there is one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. And if we can do that, no matter where you sit in this world, no matter where you sit in this church and in Crosspoint, you will honor God well and many will come to know who God is. Yeah, so we're going to give you a chance now. Yeah, Beth, thank you. So here's the deal. We're going to sign up for a group today if you're not yet. We're going to take some time right now and sing some songs together. Let's go down. We have communion available in the four corners of the room, which again is what the whole we do here is that we make Jesus central to everything we do and what he did on the cross for us, dying and rising again for us. That juice and bread represents his body and his blood. Our prayer team is in the back of the house. If you had stuff that you came in carrying today and you're just overwhelmed with stuff and you need somebody just talked about that for a bit and pray, they're right there in the back. And we're just going to sing some songs to Jesus and about Jesus right now because it's all about him. It's never been about me. It's never been about you. It's never been about us. It's always about him. So Jesus, today we just declare that. We want to get off the throne. We want to sit at your feet and worship you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.